Cotney Attorneys and Consultants is dedicated to helping the construction industry with legal, business, and safety challenges. Welcome to this week's episode of Law and Mortar with John Kenny and Trent Cotney. John Kenny here from Cotney Attorneys and Consultants. We're up to episode 25 of our Law and Mortar, and we have today a special guest on the legal side, Rick Asfar. Rick, welcome. Howdy. Thanks, man. Thank you for bringing me on. Ah, happy to have you here. Um, so, Rick, I know it's your first time on the Law & Mortar, so what we kind of do here is go back a little bit on the legal side, a little bit on the business side, and, and at the end, we always like to bring up a question that we receive from one of our viewers. We have quite a few in the queue. I'm not sure which one it's going to be yet, but it'll be interesting to see where it comes in at the end. Awesome. So, I know today we had a couple important topics come up on as far as, uh, I believe, on insurance exclusions. Is that correct? That's what I heard. Yeah. So I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to you to start on that and let us know what uh, what you're seeing going on out there. Absolutely, man. Appreciate that. And so just a little bit of background. Um, I'm I'm not Trent Cotney. I'm Rick Asfar. Totally different animal. Uh, but I have been doing uh, a lot of litigation for a very long time. Started in California, now in Florida. I've been doing it for 15 years. And insurance has been a focus uh, of my practice. Uh, I've done a lot of insurance coverage work, always on behalf of the policyholder, you know, the business, the person, not on the side of the insurance company. So that is a little bit of where my perspective is that, that I represent people and companies, not necessarily insurance companies. But, um, you know, whenever you get into insurance issues, and, and my focus today is going to be on the types of things that general contractors, subcontractors, um, you know, insurance 101, CGL, comprehensive general liability insurance. And in order for a claim to come into the general liability part, uh, you got to have two things. And you'd be surprised how often this gets missed. You got to have an accident that results in personal injury or property damage. And I say that this, you'd be surprised how often this gets missed because one of, one of my clients was getting sued for something where there, the allegations of the complaint was that there was no accident. And the allegations of the complaint didn't mention any personal injury or property damage. And so that's a situation where you don't even get into the door of getting something covered by insurance if those two things are unmet. Um, but once you actually get through that threshold, then you start looking at coverage exceptions, coverage exclusions. And I've got a sample template uh, set of policy exclusions here, and I'll just kind of start taking through some of them that I think are kind of worth noting. Okay. And if there's anything that you want to kind of jump in on and kind of talk about. Well, for how, how big of an issue do you see this out there? Is, is this affecting a, a broad range of contractors? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because, you know, accidents happen. Um, it's just the nature of the business that, you know, you got a job with, you know, countless people on it. Everybody's doing their best. Um, but things happen. I mean, just driving to work, you know, there's an accident. So it's it's the type of thing that accidents happen. And when you do have an accident, you want to make sure you're covered. Absolutely. Yeah. And I know, uh, I don't know what it is, but uh, uh, you seem now that the pandemic starting to wind down, you know, a little bit more. There definitely the traffic and the amount of people out there are increasing. And I know every time that I personally drive on the road, it always feels more like a demolition derby than, a, <laughs> than, going, than a, just a commute. So most important. Yep. Yeah, so man. Go, I, go ahead, Rick. We'll, we'll let you jump in on your, on your, on your areas now. I appreciate that. Thank you. So um, the first exclusion that I'm going to put on everybody's radar, and when I go through these things, 
it's not a one size fits all. So, um, you know, just like there are, you know, good car companies and not so good car companies, and they have different levels of service and different levels of product. It's the exact same thing with insurance policies. There are different flavors of these exclusions that I'm talking about. Some are better than others. Some insurance companies are better than others. So it's, it's really worth talking to somebody who's in the space who has either written a lot of stuff or has litigated with a lot of insurance companies to get a feel for who you should and shouldn't mess with. Um, but the first, the first potential exclusion or coverage, depending on what kind of policy flavor you get that I'm going to, to put on everybody's radar is the completed operations. And so generally, if you have a completed operations exclusion, then if there is a loss after you're done, after you're off the project, you got no coverage. And this happens sometimes. So for example, if you put on a roof and the roof looks good, you pass the dry out, however, something was inherently wrong that you know, somebody didn't catch, and then it create, you know, and there's a leak and it leaks in and it causes damage inside of uh, you know, the structure, uh, a completed operations exclusion might, you know, hose you in that situation. You might not be able to get coverage because the insurance company is going to say, well, you know, this thing started, you know, a year later and you were already off the job site. So, so there's no coverage here. Um, on the flip side, you can get policies that actually give you that coverage. And that's kind of a big deal. So, you know, Sometimes if you're shopping around and something seems like it's too good to be true, it might be because you have an exclusion for completed operations as opposed to having a uh, coverage for completed operations. Yeah, I know that's important. I've always, always checked on that when I was on the contracting side to make sure we had coverage because something will pop up. Yeah, yeah. Another thing that is, is a pretty significant issue uh, and, and this really comes into play, not so much when the claim comes in, but on the back end, when you're trying to resolve the claim and get your insurance company to step up and, and, and you know, pay the right amount to the claimant to make it go away. And that is the so-called your work exclusion. And so this is something that's deep, deeply rooted in public policy. Uh, and, and the thought behind insurance is, insurance is designed to cover, the purpose of insurance is to cover accidents, not, you know, intentional things, breaches of your obligations and that sort of thing. And, and when you see it in the construction context, what ends up happening is if your work is not good alone, if your work just needs to be replaced, that in and of itself will not be covered by an, insur an insurance company, an insurance product, because it would fall into the your work exclusion. So you do a roof, the roof doesn't look great. You got to you know, rip it out, replace it, do it over again, you're not going to get coverage for that. The only time you get coverage and the only thing that's actually covered, the only thing that the insurance company will put dollars down to cover for you is if your work results in some property damage outside of your work. So the, the typical um, hypo that I, I talk about is if you're doing a roofing project and, you know, let's say, you got an open roof, and this is going to get into another exclusion that I want to talk about, but you got an open roof, starts raining, rain pours in, ruins the hardwood floors, the drywall and whatnot inside of the house. Um, you know, re redoing, completing on all that of the roof, the insurance company is not going to put down dollar number one for that portion of the damages to the claimant, but they will cover whatever got sprayed, you know, mm -hmm. with water and whatnot, as long as there's not some other exclusion that might kick in 
And so they'll pay that piece of it, but not the piece to actually redo the work. No, it makes sense. I know I face that a lot too. And a lot of contractors, there are policies or riders to policies. I know you can get that will cover your own work and your own materials. And they can be rather pricey at, at times, but depending on the volume of work you're doing and the exposure you have, uh, they may very well be worth looking into. Uh, and I know that I, I've seen through the years where it's helped a lot of contractors out um, that would have been in, you know, you get a roof worth a million dollars and you get damages to it. I mean, even from storm damage that you have no control over, you will not yeah. be covered for the work yeah. you've already put in place unless you have a specific policy to cover that. So yeah, and that's, you brought up. <clears throat> and that's a big thing. Those are like installation fold, uh, floaters and that kind of thing. That is a product that if you're working on a, a sufficient size project, definitely worth having it. I've had a couple of clients who've had to make those install floater claims. And, you know, it's one of those things you knock on wood, you thank goodness that they had it because otherwise it would have, it would have been a bad situation. As expensive as they are, it only takes one large claim to make every year you own it worth it. That's right. That's For right. Sure. Yeah. So I started talking about another one of the exclusions that are out there, and that mm -hmm. is the, um, and before I get away from the your work exclusion, there's different flavors of that. So a lot of times what savvy claimants will do is they'll claim that in the process of removing and replacing your work, there was rip and tear damage to other stuff and that that is sufficient to get into coverage. Um, and there are some carriers, some policies, some flavors of policies that will actually go so far as to exclude the rip and tear and have that included in the your work coverage. So this is the type of thing, again, you know, when it comes time to shop around and you're seeing that you're getting all sorts of different prices, it's not always apples to apples. There's the devil is in the details with these little, these little nuances and these coverages. And that could be the difference between an insurance company coming in and covering you, you know, against a construction defect claim, which to defend alone is going to cost a hundred grand or not having any, any coverage whatsoever and not having the, the defense costs fronted for you. And so that's a, that's a big thing. Um, the other uh, exclusion I was gonna talk about, and this is one that you see in the roofing context a lot, and there's a lot of different flavors of this one as well. And that is the open roof exclusion. And so basically um, it's an exclusion that says, hey, if you're doing the work and the, the roof is open and there's a loss, sorry, we're not gonna cover that. And there's a lot of different flavors of that exclusion. Um, there is the don't pass go, don't collect 200 flavor. And then there's different grades, which you can at least potentially end up having the claim covered if, if you do what you're supposed to do and you handle it right. So I've seen variations of that that say, you know, if it's an unexpected storm, if you check the, the weather first thing in the morning and you had clear skies, and then all of a sudden, you know, the skies open up and you get rained on. Uh, in that situation, you might have coverage. Uh, I've also seen other ones that say, you know, if you have like a, a, a roof coverage team in place, like somebody who keeps eyes on these things and you have tarps on site in case something happens, ready to go. I've seen flavors of the open roof exclusion that will actually provide coverage in that instance. But these are more expensive and it requires the insured, the contractor to play ball. You know, now you've got to, you know, take on extra steps in order to make sure that that coverage is there. And that you don't lose that coverage just because, you know, perhaps you didn't have a chance that morning to check the weather before you got onto the job site. And it's important to know what kind of flavor you have, because 
I tell you, man, I see a lot of open roof type issues. It happens a lot. It happens a lot to some excellent contractors. Um, and it's just one of those things, the weather is unpredictable and it happens. And so it's important to know what flavor of coverage you have there and what you need to do in order to make sure that you have your coverage and that you've got somebody who can say with a straight face, hand to the Bible, I did this. I did what I was supposed to do so that when you need that coverage, you've got it. Yeah, highly recommend that you always put a procedure in place in your company, regardless of where your level of coverage is, um, for a couple of reasons. Even if you have full coverage, if, if you've got that type of policy, you still can be declined. I, I've seen that happen uh, if you've made zero attempts to protect your, you know, the building and the occupancy of the building. Um, definitely, you said, always recommend the contractor uh, documents, weather reports. It's real easy today with the apps. It's a you know, it's as much as opening up a weather report on your iPhone or your, you know, your smartphone and taking a photo of it and you've got yourself documented. The other thing is you brought up a great thing, you know, EPDM rubber, a tarp, uh, plastic, visqueen, multiple things to have on there is your emergency backup kit, you know, and insurance companies, you, you know, you've made the next effort to do it and definitely make sure, which I've seen a thousand times, do not ever leave a roof open at night or at the end of the day. Because one thing that'll happen in roofing, Murphy's Law, it'll only rain wherever you left the roof open. I guarantee that. That's where it'll hit. If you want to predict the weather, the best thing to do is run around and find out who didn't cover the roof in. That's where it'll hit. So, yeah, good points. Thank you. Thank you. And likewise, man, absolutely. Um, another exclusion I want to put on everybody's radar, probably the most complex insurance case I ever litigated, certainly one of the top five, had to do with this particular exclusion, and it's called the contractual liability exclusion. And generally speaking, there is an exclusion in just about every policy, every CGL policy that says, we won't cover you for a breach of a contract for a contractual obligation. And that sounds pretty straightforward. And the place where you have to be mindful of this is where you are indemnifying somebody else. So if you have a contract with a sub or a general contractor, doesn't matter which direction it's going in, where there is an indemnification obligation. So if you're indemnifying somebody and you didn't necessarily do something wrong, but something wrong happened, and now you got to step up and indemnify and cover whomever did wrong, the insurance company is going to pick up their policy and they're going to wave around the contractual liability exclusion and say, nah, dude, this is something that you are liable for, not because you did something wrong, because there was an accident, but because you contracted that you were going to cover this. We have an exception, an exclusion in our policy that says we're not going to cover you because you undertook some liability by a contract. So too bad, so sad, you're out. But inside of this, usually there is an exception to the exclusion, which applies when you have what's referred to as an insured contract. And the definition of an insured contract is pretty head spinning and head shaking. And, and, and really, the one thing that could be your saving grace is if you have an, indemnit an indemnification agreement that is referred to as kind of a broad form indemnification agreement. And a broad form is, doesn't matter if I was at fault and whole or part or not at all, I'm covering you, I'm going to own this liability. Now, the, the, the reason that this is so tricky is because the most states have public policy that is against straight up broad form uh, indemnification provisions. In Florida, for example, you got Florida statutes 725.06, 725.08, 725.09, 725.10, 725.11, 725.12, 725.13, 725.14, 725.15, 725.16, 725.17, 725.18, 725.19, 725.20, 725.21, 725.22, 725.23, 725.24, 725
that says you can't just give a straight up broad form coverage in the construction context unless you have certain buzzwords in the indemnification provision and certain limitations and so forth. And the reason that this creates a problem and it created a problem for a client of mine and it, you know, I, I had to break my neck in order to kind of make, make the whole thing go so that we can get the client through the matter is because the way that you get coverage and the way that you get out of the, around this contractual exclusion is to show that you have an indemnification contract that's broad form, but the state of Florida and the public policy, you know, they're trying to help you out and say, no, we don't want you to take on liability for things that aren't your fault. And it's like, nah, dude, I need to take this liability on because that's how my policy is crafted. I know what I'm doing. Let me take this on. And so that's a situation where you have to be very, very careful with it, because if you don't have the right kind of indemnification agreement, if it's too narrow and if it doesn't meet the strict definition of the of the insured contract exception to your contractual liability exclusion, you could be SOL. And I've, I've had literally the most challenging insurance case, one of the top five most challenging insurance claims I've had to, to pursue, had to deal with that issue. And, and I had to break my neck to get through it. Wow. And I say wow to that is because I'll tell you one thing, uh, hopefully everybody takes away from this today, is what I always like to call risk analysis in your business. And I think a lot of contractors, whether roofing or other types, especially your subcontractors, don't do enough risk analysis on the front end until they get into a problem. So we always like to uh, like to talk about that a little bit. Uh, you know, Rick, we, you know, I know on our end, we're the attorneys on, our, on that side. We're there for you. You know, when you have a problem, we're, we're you know, we're there. We're going to fight. We're going to do everything we can to get you there. On the other side, that's why we do the business analysis end of it, too, is to try to keep you from getting there. So most people look at that and say, well, wow, that's kind of counterproductive. No, it's not, because our mission, you know, in this firm is to take care of the client, you know, and hopefully we can always do it on the front end rather than have to come in on the back end. So I know where you brought up. So a couple points I hope everybody takes out of this today is one is you need to have a very good insurance agent that you trust. That's number one, because I know as much as many policies and that that I've read over the years, they are no different than reading a contract in another language. Unless you're in it every day, you're, you're not going to understand it. It's just you'll get the gist of that. So if you have a good trusted agent, that's great. I'd absolutely recommend that you have your attorney take a look at your policy prior to signing, just to go, just like you did. You, you'll check what four or five key points in there that'll mm -hmm. come back to bite you. So it's not a, you know, it doesn't take days or weeks to do it. It's just kind of a checklist to go through. So I think that will help uh, contractors in the long run to avoid that risk. So, you know, I've had people over the years ask me, why are we in this contracting business? Well, it's risk reward, that's what it is. If you do everything correctly, there's a lot of money to be made in contracting. You know, you bid correctly, you run your business correctly, you know, the, you know, it's there. But if you don't have a risk management plan in place, it doesn't matter what you do. Eventually, it will catch you. And that, what, maybe the first time won't, but the second time won't, you know, claims are what, Rick, I mean, you see them in millions of dollars now. It's, it's, not, it's not hundreds of thousands anymore. Yeah, no, they, I mean, they... These are expensive issues. They're expensive problems. I mean, I don't think it, it depends on where you're at, but I mean, you know, if, if you do a, a $20,000, $30,000 roof and there's an issue there, um, you know, you can see a claim coming back at you. That's a factor of six or seven times that 
I mean, it can happen if there's an open roof and it pours in and, you know, all of a sudden, it, you know, gets into everything. You have personal stuff that gets, you know, washed out and whatnot. You know, it, it could it could the claim and I'm just talking about the claim. I'm not talking about the defense right. costs. I tell people I can't even get a case into a, a settlement posture for less than 25, 50 grand in attorney's fees, let alone take it all the way through trial is 100 easy. And that's just doesn't matter how big or small the claim is. That just is what it is. You've got good plaintiff's attorneys out there who know how to churn a thing. But yeah, I mean, you're looking at a lot of exposure there. And, you know, I can't tell you how many times I've been in that situation. And, and you know, we'll, we'll do our best to figure a way through it. But I'll tell somebody, man, I just wish you would have paid, you know, an extra 500 bucks, thousand bucks, whatever, to get this right. one coverage or a more limited version of this exclusion, because I could have gotten the insurance company in here to tote the water for you at least on the defense side of it, which is worth a hundred grand in and of itself. Or I wish you would have let me take a look at your um, contract so I could take a look at the indemnification provision and see if it matches up with the exception to your contractual exclusion so that if you are taking on somebody else's risk, you'll have the coverage there to, to take care of it. And there's other ways to do that where you can list them as an additional insured and that costs money too. But that's another thing that, you know, these are the types of things that, if I can catch it on the front end, I mean, you know, it makes everybody's life a lot easier on the back end. Yeah, so I think uh, I think the takeaway here is spend a couple thousand dollars on the front end, get your risk management handled on a yearly basis, especially on the insurance. And you, you know, there's no doubt you can save hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars on the back end. So it's very very solid advice today. So well, we're almost out of time, Rick. Um, so we always like to go to a question and let's see what this, I don't never like to look at these until the end. So let's see what this week's question is. And this week's question is from Bill. Interesting question, Bill, uh, haven't had this one yet. This is a good one. So Bill's question is he'd like to know um, what we see out there in construction as far as the future using a Bitcoin or our cyber currency and blockchain construction means. So that that could take a long time to answer, but I, I'll take a stab at it if you don't mind, Rick, and I'll ask yeah. you to jump in at the end if you got anything to add. So um, we are starting to see more and more, you know, Bitcoin, there's a few other ones out there, but basically, you know, cyber currency, cryptocurrency, whatever you want to call it, different names for it. So you're starting to see that more and more. Um, you're starting to see transactions done with it because you physically don't have to transfer money. It's, you know, it's, a, it's like the new thing, data, electronic transfer. But more importantly, I, I think that's a little bit slower coming into the industry. It's been out for a long time. But blockchain, that's, that's an interesting uh, concept that's been around for a while, but I'm starting to see it really gain traction out there. Um, so, you know, you have secured contracts you can do through blockchain. It allows a chain of custody through whatever process you want to do. Um, it also um, allows you to uh, track what's going on with signatures and payment applications. So there's probably four or five different areas where I really see it growing. And on the general contracting side, you're really starting to see the BIM connection in with the BIM, BIM uh, software and all that, where you're, you're watching the building build through all this. So there's a lot of things coming on here that I'm starting to see. So Yes, Bill, it's a complicated subject, but honestly, you are going to start to see more and more of it out there. And um, actually, you know, you've all seen the thing on the Cottony Capital come out recently that we have on this, Trent and I are uh, on, Trent brought it about. And we're starting to look more and more into the investments and the way to do on the blockchain and the construction as well. So we'll see more. 
Rick, how, how about a quick two second wrap up here? What, what do you see on that on your end? Um, I know it's happening. Uh, and I, 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 you know, of course, there's there's a couple of issues. The one issue is, you know, the, the payment side of it, which is, you know, with with the volatility that you're seeing with some of the the, the cryptocurrencies, you know, what might you know, be fair payment now, it might not be later. So that's just something that if you're going to accept crypto, it's just something to, to, to keep in mind. Mm -hmm. And then just to echo what John said, I'd heard a little bit about the blockchain contracting process. Um, I think I first heard about it maybe two or three years ago. And I know that it was one of those things that it was, you know, revolutionary. And I think it's the, the type of thing that it has potential to really streamline the contracting process and kind of make it uh, just streamline a little bit smoother um and I, I it does seem like it's still in the infancy as kind of the technology is coming along and people are coming around to it but i do think that there is an opportunity if you're on the cutting edge of that if you're if you're hooked in with the right people who are who are working in that space where you can make something and put something together that um you know it'll it'll be very user friendly and especially if you're in the consumer space where it just kind of feels like you know how people do a lot of other transactions you know on the internet and you know you can you know, kind of go about it that way. Exactly. Well, we're almost out of time. So we had an interesting role here today. I got a chance to be the host. Normally Trent is the host. Last week, I, there was a guest that filled in for me. So you've got, you got a couple of mix of people. So um, number one, I want to let you know how to contact me if you have any information. Again, it's J-K-E-N-N-E-Y at cottonycl.com. Uh, get me at any time you got any questions. And Rick, it was great having you on as a guest today. Um, really good stuff, important stuff for the industry to get. So if anybody has any further questions, happen to get a hold of you. Thank you, John. And thank you for the kind words, man. I was really looking forward to this. Really, really appreciated the invite. Really appreciated the opportunity. Best way to reach me, uh, my email address is rasfar at cottonycl.com. And that's R as in Rick. Uh, then my last name with no spaces, dashes or periods. A is in Apple, S is in Sam, F is in Frank, A, R is in Robert. Uh, kind of like as far as I can remember, I've been teased about my last name, uh, and that's at cottonycl.com. All right, great. Well, as always, I hope everybody has a great week out there, and we'll catch you next week. Thanks, yeah, man. man. Bye now. Thank you.